It's The Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And on tonight's show, we'll get the latest on the Delta variant from Beaumont's Dr. Matthew Sims. And we'll celebrate National Wellness Month by learning a little bit about Botox for migraines. We'll get some help for infertility, and we'll take care of your mental health. A great show coming up next. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And in this first segment of the show, Dr. Carol, we thought it would be smart to check in with Dr. Matthew Sims, the head of infectious disease research at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak. Dr. Sims, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. Dr. Carroll, I know you have a very long list of questions today for Dr. Sims. Oh my God. You know what? Thank you, Dr. Sims, for being on the show today. And I just, you know, wanted to touch your brain or pick your brain because, you know, I am a little frustrated as a medical provider in hearing so many people that have been resistant to getting the vaccine. And I kind of wanted your take regarding what you're seeing and how do we communicate effectively to let people know how important this is? So, you know, the Delta variant I'm reading is a lot more virulent. It's uh, quicker spread. Um, the 18 to 40 somethings are the ones that are in the hospitals and the ICU getting sick. Uh, what, 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 what do we do? I hear people saying, I want to give it more time. I want more research. I want the FDA to approve it. Um, I I've heard people with really bad side effects. So, so what do I say to my patients that are giving me these answers and how do we get them to realize just how important it is to get this vaccine? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. Um, there are a couple of things that I think may help, um, certainly, and we can take sort of each of those things one at a time. But, you know, the one thing that really a lot of people who, there's two things, really. There are a number of people who have said that when the FDA approves it, they'll get the shot. We give the final approval, and hopefully that will be soon. Um, But you know what? There is not a single doctor out there who is expecting it to not get full approval. I don't know anybody expecting it to not get full approval. Um, it's just that the FDA has its ways of going about this and they, they, um, you know, are looking at everything because once they give it that stamp of approval, it's much more difficult to take it back. So you want to be sure that, you know, that it's, it's right. And they're doing their due diligence, right? That's what the FDA is supposed to do. Now, that being said, I'm still given how many people have gotten this and how few side effects there have been and how well it works. I'm still surprised they haven't done it yet. And given the situation, I would have expected that they would have acted with a little more um, alacrity, you know, just mm-hmm. a little faster. Not, not with haste, but with speed. Right. Um, and 
so, but we're hoping that soon uh, it will have full approval and hopefully that will get some people to agree, though. How many people are, you know, just saying that it's not FDA approved, so I won't get it. And how many people really believe that is hard to know. But one thing that's been shown is if you um, want to convince a person or you want to you want a person to trust that the vaccine is right and good and works, et cetera, that the the single person uh, who can help with that the most is their own personal physician, right? So their primary care provider, who hopefully they've been with for years and trust. Um, the other people who can convince are family members. So, you know, I know one, uh, I've heard about one family that everybody got it except one person, and they all sat that person down and said, you know, we love you. We want you to be with us, um, you know, for a long, long time. And we don't want you to get this. And I'll tell you, you know, per, on a personal level, you know, I'm vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. My oldest daughter is vaccinated. My youngest daughter can't be vaccinated yet. Um, and I wear masks wherever I go. Why? You know, it's a little bit of suspenders and belt, Right. Because, you know, I, there are breakthrough cases. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect vaccine. Um, and among those breakthroughs, most of them are very mild, but there are people who got sick and there are people who have even died, who have been fully vaccinated and they caught COVID and, and it just did them in. I'm not going to take a chance on, you know, uh, on, you know, my being able to care for my family and orphaning my kids. Um, I, you know, take every precaution I can. And my kids take every precaution they can, and my wife takes every precaution she can. And that's just the way it is, you know. Um, so, you know, my, mine too. I mean, I, I also say, you know, I ask them why, and, and then they tell me a myriad of, of reasons, and I try to address all of those reasons. And then I go personally myself. I'm like, my, I'm vaccinated. My husband's vaccinated. I'm a mother. I have four children and you sure as heck as a, as a mama cub are going to research everything sure. to, 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 to know that your kids are getting the right treatment one way or the other. And, and so we researched it all over the place. I talked to a million people, including yourself and Dr. Johnson at St. John's. And, and, you know, we said that we're going to do this because the science and the research was appropriate for us to all get the vaccine. And I was recently at a conference, um, and there was a gentleman that uh, actually was one of my hobbies is or going to be is magic. So my husband's an amateur <laughs> physician. And it was, uh, do you know that Colon, Michigan is the magic capital of the world? Hello. I had no idea. Uh, yes. The Houdini and Blackstone would go fishing there on their off and they, they make all the magic tricks there. So huh. anyway, one of the magicians is from Asia. And he said, I got to warn you guys. He said, um, you know, Asia got hit before the rest of us and we we our shows were opened up and now they're closing them again. And he said the last show we did, there were only six people. So it is Delta due to the Delta variant and it's yeah. coming. It's coming. Well, so and, and it's no, it's it's here. It's just yeah. Michigan has been relatively low, but we're seeing we're seeing cases tick up. We're seeing hospitalizations tick up, you know, cases start. Then it's hospitalizations a few weeks later. Then it's death a few weeks later than that. That's the pattern of this. And that's what we're starting to see even here. And the thing is, you know, if we had gotten to 80, 90% vaccination rates, 
we wouldn't be worried about this because right. the number of breakthroughs is still small, right? You're going to get breakthroughs, but it's small. And if, you know, almost everybody is protected by vaccine, then the breakthroughs are minimal and they don't spread further. And right. every time it spreads, it has another chance to form a new variant. Right. And the way these things work is, right, every variant has been spreading faster than the last one, right? Alpha spread faster than the wild type. Now Delta is spreading faster than Alpha. Why is that? Because to take over, it's got to go faster or it's got to go more. You know, if it doesn't, it won't take over. So we are, it selects out for the viruses that replicate faster, that infect easier, that make people sicker. Right. And and what percentage, I think the last I heard, was it 50%, 48-50% of the population was vaccinated? Where are we at? I think we're around closer to 60. 60. Okay. So that's good. You know, in, but, you in know, Michigan, I I don't I and I think the US is fairly close to that. I um or maybe even higher, but I, I don't have the I don't have the number for that off the top of my head. It's been a little while since I looked at it. But you know what? It's got to be serious because if all these big hospital uh, institutions are requiring you to be vaccinated, uh, if the schools, all the major universities are requiring vaccinations, um, and, and then even I think Biden was talking about the federal federal workers being vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, the, um, that, mandated. yeah, the, v, the, the VA is mandating it. And I think for federal workers, it's you have to either get the vaccine or get weekly testing. Um, right. right. So, I mean, there people are getting I mean, big institutions are getting serious about this. And yeah. and and, you know, so so you have to get vaccinated or find another place to work or or, you know, ha, if you have one of these rare exemptions, which I don't find that there's very many exemptions. So, I mean, what are your thoughts about that for for governments and universities and big hospital systems to mandate this? What are you your know, thoughts about that? I, you know, I'm all for vaccine mandatory vaccination for um hospital systems definitely um it makes sense for universities military has always had mandatory vaccination um you know and corporations get to decide um you know how much they want to protect their employees and their uh their ability to function right because if you get like a significant amount of your uh workforce sick um you know the ability to function decreases the, you know, the thing is, um, this never used to be a debate, right? People just used to get the vaccinations. And because of that, we don't have so many, so many childhood illnesses. Smallpox doesn't exist anymore. Why? Because everybody got vaccinated, right? People just, people were lined up and they got vaccinated. And, you know, it was not a question, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, somebody puts out an article that says autism is caused by vaccines, which was a lie, which was repudiated, which was retracted and proven to be wrong, though people all over the world still believe it. Right. right? But it was absolutely proven to be wrong. And that person lost their medical license. Wow. You know, and but, you know, since then, people have been like, oh, no, no vaccines. Right. Vaccines. People. The reason people don't don't want you know don't worry so much about vaccines is because they work so well that they don't know what the consequences of not being vaccinated are right, right? Exactly. because they didn't live with 
where everybody got measles when they were a kid and everybody got mumps when they were a kid and people got sick and people died and smallpox killed people and polio crippled people. People lived in iron lungs. People couldn't walk properly. People don't realize the consequences that we've avoided because we vaccinate. And what they also don't realize is that the second we stop doing it, those things start coming back. Not smallpox, thankfully, because we eliminated it from the world. There is no smallpox anymore. But polio is still out there. And we do get cases every year, not in the U.S. necessarily, but every year around the world, there are some cases. Stop vaccinating, that's going to go up and up and up. And that leaves permanent damage. And, and you know, Anne, you and I have some more questions for Dr. Sims. So I wonder if it's worth taking a little break. And I know you had a question about masks in schools. And I had one about, um, you know, antibodies and and getting a booster and stuff like that. So um, maybe we can pick Dr. Sims' brain a little more. Yes, let's take a quick break. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back with Dr. Sims right after this. are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, and we are talking to Dr. Matthew Sims, the head of infectious disease research at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak. And Dr. Sims, right now, I know there is a very big controversy here in Michigan about children going back to school and being required to wear masks. The problem is that the state is recommending they wear masks, but not mandating they wear mm-hmm. masks. What do you think? Should your children wear masks when they go back to school in a couple of weeks? My children are wearing masks when they go back to school, and I don't care what anybody says at the school board. Every medical society that has uh, you know, impact on this, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the CDC, Oakland County uh, Department of Health, Michigan Department of Health are all saying mandatory masking for everybody in schools because Delta spreads, because Delta breaks through, because it can spread from vaccinated people. That is why. And our numbers are rising. And for any to do, I, I really have concerns when people are just making these decisions and completely ignoring all the medical advice, you know, it's, I I can't understand it and I can't believe it. And it, you know, it is personally impacting my children. Um, I've been getting calls from doctors all over the place saying, how do we get, you know, involved in preventing this? How do we get the school districts to listen? And you know what? It's got to come from the state and they have to stop using the word recommend and start using the word it is required, or, you know, it, it has to be done to protect our children, right? And that's what this is about, because you know what? One single death because of this is too much. Yep, I agree. Now, what about the people who are vaccinated? I'm hearing that they're trying to develop uh, boosters and trying to decide when a booster should happen. And here's me, okay, so I'm thinking... Someone has to have done this, and you're the director of research, so I'm sure someone. So, I mean, all of us are getting vaccinated. People who've had COVID, 
um, or the vaccinated, is there anyone or who's doing the like monthly antibody titer checks to see yeah. where our titers are to then know that the titers are starting to go down and this is the time where we need a booster? Is anyone doing that? And if so, you know, like I was vaccinated in January, it's August. When am I due for a booster? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So uh, Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J are all tracking the people who are in their studies uh, to see um, how their levels are. And that's where some of this is coming from. Pfizer has said they want to give a booster. Moderna has said they want to give a booster. The problem is they haven't released the data yet, like in full, uh, for review. So it's, it, it hasn't been published as far as I know. Um, Moderna mentioned it in an investors meeting just recently. Um, and, you know, uh, people, uh, the, the problem is, you know, just the antibody level is not enough, right? Because there's, uh, the vaccines start with antibodies, but then help develop T-cell immunity, hopefully, there's there's more to it than just antibody. And what we have to know is not just is are the antibody levels going down, because we expect that to an extent, right? But are they going down so much that they're not protecting anymore? And are we seeing more breakthroughs in people who are further out from the vaccine? In other words, if you've had the vaccine three months ago and there's, you know, a 5% failure rate, and you had the vaccine six months ago, and there's a 5% failure rate, and you had the vaccine a year ago, and there's a 5% failure rate, and you had the vaccine two years ago, and there's a 5% failure rate. Well, there's no evidence that you need vaccines because the failure rate's not going up. The booster, you mean? Uh, excuse me, you don't need a booster vaccine. I, my apologies. You do need vaccines. Um, now, um, so there's, there's a couple of caveats to that. Doing a booster may reduce that failure rate. Maybe it'll bring it down to 2%. We don't know. The study has to be done, right? And that's not, you know, that's just as large a study as the original to get those numbers. Mm. Um, so that's one. And you have to follow it again going forward. So that's one part of this that, um, you know, as, as physicians and scientists are looking at the what little information we have and saying, you know, it's not enough just to say the antibody numbers are going down a bit and they're not going down that much. Um, and it's not enough to say if you give another, you know, boost that they go up further and, and that will contra that will um, counter the loss for Delta, which it might, we just don't know that yet. And before, you know, again, you know, I appreciate and laud, you know, the the accomplishments of Pfizer and Moderna and J&J in getting these vaccines made and out as fast as they did. It is an impressive uh, piece of work, and it has saved millions of people's lives, probably. That being said, you can't just take the company's word who's danced to profit tremendously that it's time for a booster. That data's got to be reviewed. And mm -hmm. so far, it hasn't been. Um, and that's an issue. Once that data is reviewed, it may be time, you know, we'll, we'll, there may be a time to get a booster. Now, mm -hmm. the other piece of the booster question is uh, Pfizer and I think Moderna are both developing Delta-specific boosters. Right. We know Delta is bad. We know there are other variants that are similar to Delta out there. 
that are bad. We know that the vaccine doesn't protect quite as well against Delta. So if you make a version of the vaccine that is more specific to Delta, just like we change the flu vaccine every year to make it more specific to the strains we know are circulating, um, just like um, just like with the pneumonia vaccine, Prevnar, right? It started with seven strains and then it went to 10 strains and it went to 13 strains. And now they're talking about 20 strains. And the people going forward will get a shot with both versions in it. Well, this has been a great, great segment because hopefully, you know, people are going to eventually feel more comfortable getting those vaccines so we could, you know, get a handle on this this pandemic even better than we are right now. Yes. Dr. I hope so. Dr. Matthew Sims, Head of Infectious Disease Research at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak. Thank you, as always, for the wonderful advice. We appreciate your time. I'm happy to be here. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after these messages. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. And Dr. Carol, our next guest is Dr. Demi Kazanis from New U Dental Center in Southfield. And she's here with us today to talk about the health benefits of Botox. Dr. Kazanis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So talk a little bit. I've never even thought about the health benefits of Botox. First of all, explain to our listeners, what's Botox? Botox is a denatured, it's created from botulinum toxin, and it's um, completely safe. People associate botulinum toxin with being sick. It's a completely safe form of it. And how does it work? Like, what do you do with it? There's many uses for Botox today in 2021. It's not just used for wrinkles anymore. It's used to treat migraines and head pain and TMJ, temporomandibular joint pain. And talk a little bit about how it works for migraines. That's so interesting. It works for migraines by blocking the, they think that it blocks the pain pathways to the brain. How do you use it on a person who's coming to you with migraine issues? It's just some easy injections. People that have migraines and are, want to have my, uh, Botox treatment, it's approved for people who struggle with headaches for more than 15 days a month and experience migraines for at least eight of those days. And it's just simple injections. It's usually more than one injection, but it just feels like a tiny little pinch. And what do people say after they have had it who have suffered for years with these migraines? They think it's a miracle cure. And it really is. It really is. I mean, we've tried things such as putting people in the dark and trying to give them caffeine and give them chocolate. And then we've had Imitrex and some pills, but those only work a little bit. But uh, Botox significantly decreases migraine pain. You know, what's the difference between just a regular headache and a migraine headache? A migraine headache involves symptoms just from head pain. And the symptoms may include dizziness, nausea, sensitivity to light or sound, as well as severe fatigue or tiredness. And migraines occur in different phases, which may involve signs like blurred vision, mood disorders, and trouble with speech. And how many different treatments do you need for relief of the migraines? It can be, the relief isn't immediate. It can take three days, four days to take effect. But after that, it 
it's it's effective immediately. Oh, that's great to know. Now, what about um, side effects? Are there any side effects of that? Side effects can such as sore neck or headaches, pain or swelling or redness at the injection site. Sometimes, uh, depending on location, drooping eyelids or eyebrows, temporary blurred vision, dry eyes, or excessive tearing can happen. But those aren't common. Now, we know August is National Wellness Month. What are some other good uses for Botox that you want people to know about? Botox for wrinkles. Everybody loves that called it Botox. It's just a fantastic treatment. And how does that work for wrinkles? Like somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm tired of all the wrinkles. How do you help them? It doesn't get rid of the wrinkles, but what it does is it it paralyzes the muscles that cause the wrinkles underneath the skin. And it, it works wonders. It's it's a wonderful treatment. Easy, safe, effective. Is that a treatment that needs to be done regularly too, or how often? It does, about every three to six months as the Botox wears off. And you know, that's probably good for somebody's mental health. It just makes them feel better about how they look. It sure does. And it doesn't, it masks, wearing masks shouldn't prevent people from doing it because um, it's really effective for the forehead areas and around the eyes. And those expressive areas are so important now that we're wearing masks. Is there anything else that you want people to know about Botox and that you would recommend Botox for? Just to have a trained provider administer it is really important. Check out your provider. And you do do this at your at your place at the New U Dental Center in Southfield. We sure do. Botox and lip fillers, cheek fillers, yes we do. Dr. Demi Kazanis, it was nice to meet you and to learn a little bit more about this treatment. It was my pleasure, thank you very much. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after these messages. As we close out the August edition of WJR's Healthy Woman Show, we now check in with our resident therapist, Claire Hogan. And Claire, welcome to the show. We know you are here today to give us some tips on how to be well mentally. In fact, because it is National Wellness Month. Welcome, Claire. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. It's such an important month for all of us, especially women, men and women alike, but certainly women. Yes, and women who are getting ready to send their children back to school. So that's add right. Us, right. That's right. Stress and yet freedom all in one, but yeah, absolutely such a hectic time of, of the year for families as they gear up. And Dr. Carol, you've got some pretty good ideas here to help women out, you know, just in little ways. Not everybody can run out right now and get to the spa or work mm-hmm. on the gym for a couple of hours. So I'm going to let you kind of start with Claire and let's hear some of these really important ideas to help women right now. So, you know, we all know, Claire, thank you, Ann. We all know that, you know, to go on a little spa vacation or have a vacation or get a, you know, massage would be wonderful and fantastic. But men and women, we are bombarded with so many responsibilities on a daily basis, hour to hour, minute to minute, where, 
you know, men and women, we're juggling careers, we're, you know, taking care of families, uh, we're doing those last minute vacations, we're getting ready for school. So I thought I'd ask you, you know, what are like quickie, quickie self-care ideas that maybe we could implement, which makes us feel like we've been on that spa vacation? That's right. That's right. I I typically break self-care down into three three categories with my clients. And I think what you can find there, Dr. Kowalczyk, is that we can find those small ways in each of these pockets to find ways where we can be in our home, we can be working from home, we can uh, be overstretched in some of the capacities in our life and still find these small moments to really just refuel and rejuvenate. Um, And the three categories I typically say are movement, rest, and, and relationships. And so what I mean by that is movement. We know that Um, endorphins come from physical exercise, yet none of us typically prioritize it. But not many of us realize that you really don't need to be doing a lot to still have the benefit of it. So a quick walk around the block at work for 10 minutes, um, you know, on on your lunch break, you're going to get those endorphin uh, benefits that often make us feel less depressed, less anxious, um, and overall just healthier. Um, Certainly relaxation. So there's so many fun and cute things now at the stores. So mini facials that you can buy for $3, a a beautiful cup of tea of your favorite drink midday to kind of break up the monotony and the to-do list a little bit. And even just if you are working from at home, which I know so many people are from the COVID um, relapse, is just to, to go sit outside for a moment, reconnect with nature, get out of your chair a little bit, get your blood flowing. And then of course, in that last one, relationships, Uh, we've never been more connected like we see in social media. And yet most people are feeling so isolated, whether from COVID or just um, you're, you're busy and you're not finding ways just to feel uh, the, the humanity of our friendship. So making sure that you're finding ways to connect with people you love throughout the week, Uh, whether that's a phone call, a FaceTime date with a glass of wine, watching a TV show with your best girlfriend over FaceTime, uh, but really making sure that you're not isolating in such a stressful time. That is great advice. And have you, like, are there things that you try to go to? uh, And Claire, I'm going to ask you this personally, like, what are your go-to relaxation moments Um, to get you through the day. Absolutely. So I have a midday cup of coffee that you would think I I protect it with my life um, (laughs) because it's, it's probably the only 15 minute break between telehealth therapy sessions and picking my kids up and trying to cook dinner. But my cup of coffee is 15 minutes where I'm, I'm truly just by myself enjoying my, my peace. Um, And the other thing I really love right now is the calm app. Um, So it, it is, there is a price price to it. But I always say that I can drop triple that price at Target any day and not not blink twice (laughs) about it. And so I found that they have five minute uh, meditation tracks, 10 minute, whatever you need. It doesn't have to be an hour. They have deep breathing. They have soft music to help put you to sleep. And they've even got apps on there that when I lay down with my kids to put them to bed at night, I just play these children's meditation apps and my kids are are out in no time. So a cup of coffee, the Calm app, and like I said, just trying to get out, I, I find that I'm one of those people where I can excuse my way out of any, you know, I don't have time for a walk or I've got a chart first or, but really to, to take a walk for 10 minutes is, is kind of like a game changer in terms of breaking up my day. Perfect. How about you, Ann? I am kind of with Claire on this. I love my cup of coffee first thing in the morning. 
I think it's just the most wonderful thing in the world. And I too protect it. <laughs> I have to have it. Uh, but the walking, the exercise, you know, Pilates with my instructor, just little things where I can step away from what I have to do on a daily basis and just do something completely different. I think it's like changing the way your brain thinks. Another thing is golf. I happen to love golf. I'm not. Oh, yes. Believe me, there's a long way to go in the golf department, but I do really like it. And the reason I like it is because you're outside and you force yourself to stop thinking about, you know, your everyday work issues. And you have to pay attention to that particular exercise or else you're going to flop. What about you? What do you turn to? You're so busy. Well, you know what? My morning cup of coffee is is sacred. So it is my quiet time where I'll have my coffee and I'll sit there uh, for a few minutes and just complicate, uh, contemplate the day. But you know, I'm a gambler, right? So you know, if I could go to a casino and play my video poker, I am a happy girl. But of course, <laughs> you can't do that. So I have this app that's called Double Down Casino, and my 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 kids and my husband just laugh because that's my routine in the morning. I have my cup of coffee and I do my double down casino and there's five challenges every single day and it, it kind of mixes it up and, and I got to win 20 times or I got to spin 70 times or I got to win three times in a row in a certain, you know, casino thing. And, and it, it's crazy. It's stupid. It, it's like mindless. But it is that sometimes it can take me 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, but it's fun. And so, you know, don't mess with mama and her online. And it's not for money. It's it's just this fun app. Um, And then I've been, um, you know, I love what what? your mind off of things. Yes, it does. does. And and it's a stupid little fun thing that if I, you know, I I get, you know, to, you know, win one point. 3 million and, you know, wager 4 million of imaginary money. It's a lot of fun. Um, but the other thing is, is I like reading too. And uh, I've, I, I miss it. So at night I have a book, I have two books. I have one that's medical and one that's fun and I'll do a chapter a night. And, and they say, don't do that to, you know, you know, it kind of does, you know, makes your brain more wired, but I find that it actually makes me more relaxed and I feel like I've accomplished something and, uh, it, and, and it's fun. It makes me read and, and eventually get through those books I've always wanted to. Yes, I agree. A reading is a wonderful thing, too. Now, what about stress and infertility? What's the connection there? You know what, Claire, I'm going to let you talk about that in a minute because you are wonderful with all my patients. But, you know, there was some data, two things. One is it's the third most stressful medical condition. One report said uh, when you get diagnosed with infertility, it's second behind a cancer or an HIV diagnosis. That was some older data. The other thing is, you know, everyone asks how stress impacts fertility. And I can tell you that when there's wars, when there's poverty, when there's pandemics, people still get pregnant. Um, but on the other hand, you know, working with someone like Claire, uh, studies suggest that if there is a uh, some kind of counseling, that there's a 30 to 50 percent increase in success rates. So that's why Claire has been such a, a godsend. And we have also another therapist, Fred Caviani. And, you know, every fertility center has therapists that work with them. Uh, so, Claire, you can maybe address this, too, is, is how valuable someone finds you in the therapy, uh, uh, in, in the fertility treatment. Absolutely. So, you know, infertility, like Dr. Kowalczyk shared, is it's such a profound medical experience and diagnosis, and it's incredibly isolating. So even though it's it's such a universally 
and common shared experience for so many patients and couples and patients, it's, it really can feel very alone. So what I, what I try to remind our patients is similarly, they feel so much pressure already as uh, this idea that they have to be positive all the time or that they have to be happy or hopeful. And like Dr. Kowalczyk shared is that in the most extreme life conditions, we really can see pregnancies occurring. So to take that off of them, um, but it's important that we, we find a safe space for our patients to feel whatever they're feeling, whether it's grief, anger, sadness, hope, joy. And that's where I get, it's the whole joy of my work is to walk with them through that. But in terms of self-care, helping them find ways and, and forums where they don't feel so alone, but also where we remind them that fertility is not their entire identity, where we're pouring back into their relationships, we're getting them in a stabilized way to be able to socialize with friends, family, events, things that can feel really daunting when uh, the heaviness of fertility is kind of anchoring you. So um, really making sure that you're nurturing the other parts of you and the other roles you play in your life outside of just a patient um, and knowing that we're still making our way towards that, that dream of theirs. So Claire Hogan, thank you for the mental health check-in. Dr. Kowalczyk and I always like to chat with you. We need you and our listeners do too. And we really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Dr. Kowalczyk. Thank you, Claire. And Dr. Kowalczyk, that does it for the August edition of WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We want our listeners to know that this show is brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. And on behalf of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas, and we hope you have a great night. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.